0: Hello and welcome back to Miss Macintosh my darling paragraph uh by paragraph commentary and I had a pretty long nice break um for the holiday and had some stuff going on and um let's see so today is September 6th 2022 um I don't know if I talked about it, but they've delayed the release of Miss MacDosh, my darling, the new edition from Dalkey Archive, until 2023 June, June of 2023. So, I guess they did it to give me enough time to finish this podcast or finish the three volumes that I'm working on. Um, I'm on chapter 78 of volume two, so yeah, last five chapters, um, and I'm hoping to get done. I don't know. I'm gonna be working on it every day, but I've got a couple. Well, I take the weekends off anyway, so I'll be. Uh, but it usually, I, I, no matter how hard I try, I usually only get two pages a day. Um, that's just all I've been able to comfortably do. But it, we are getting there. It is getting there. Um, I made some uh, really good discoveries that um for esther longtree since i'm working on this last chapters are about esther longtree so i made some really good discoveries about some stuff going on in esther longtree who esther longtree is it's very dark it's those chapters are really hard they're very dark um i think we've added incest rape uh miscarriages um uh what else do we have oh child murder uh, all kinds of stuff, but it's, and I'm just going to have to, it's going to be interesting, interesting for me to finish this. And then, uh, of course the, when the new edition comes out, uh, I'm going to read the book again. And so it's going to be really interesting, you know, out of, out of five years of work that I've put into this, then with all of that to go back and, and reread the book one more time and see how things, see how things, see how, I don't know, how I feel about things or, or you know, uh, stuff that I thought about or the new background knowledge um, to to everything that's that's done in the book, I have gone back and listed all the books that I can find, all the poems, plays, songs, uh, poets, philosophers, philosophies, it's huge. This is like, this is like the textbook example of intertextuality. (laughs) So, so, I mean, that alone could be a whole book. It's crazy. So it'll be interesting once I get everything done with, and having all of that background, like, like, you know it, like I, I was interested in Greek mythology when I was a kid. So yeah, I read them, but like, I didn't study it or anything like Homer and Iliad and stuff. Like, yes, but didn't. I knew about it but not in depth and the philosophy is like that sounds familiar but didn't know about it in depth so to go back and to have done all the research on all the stuff that she mentions in here and especially the poems and the the poems and poets I was very weak on um so to go back and learn all of that um and then and then I'll be I'm very interested to see how I'm going to react to the book after have acquiring all this knowledge and then reading it one more time at least one more time. Uh, so that's interesting. I'm I'm really happy about that. Um, also, some things got shuffled around, so it looks like I I will look at being able to go to Yale and see uh, Young's uh, papers uh, in the spring of 2023. Uh, I think that will happen, and I will and I'll probably podcast it at least uh, while I'm uh, while I'm there, like when I get done, because. I don't, I don't know how long I, I don't know I have to contact a library and see see what kind of uh, arrangements that need to be made but it's not too far of a trip from where I live I mean it's doable and um yeah and we'll have a fun time there because why not have I mean I've been to that state but I haven't spent any amount of time sightseeing or been doing touristy things so that should be fun so my husband's been very gracious and we're going to turn it into a vacation Um, I think. Depends. I don't know what the access is so I don't know how how many days I can have access. I don't know. I'll have to find out but I'm looking forward to that and that got bumped up. I didn't think I would be able to do that until possibly next fall. We have other things coming up. I won't be able to do it this fall for sure but in the spring I should be fine. I should be able to to you know knock on wood um I should be able to go. And we're on, vo- so now we started volume two. And this, like I said, I'm up to chapter 70. I'm working on chapter 78. Um, so we're going to go ahead, roll right on ahead. We're just starting with chapter, volume one ended with chapter 44. We're now in chapter 45. Oh, and I was able to make the ebook free. So the ebook is free uh, uh, the 7th, starting the 7th, 2022 through the 11th. 2022. That's the week, five days that I can make it free for this quarter. And I won't be able to make it free again until the following quarter. So I've put it on Twitter. i letting you know here. Um, you'll have to look, uh, you have to look for it. Um, I don't know if you follow me on Amazon. If, if like, if you're not able to pick it up here, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know, a year later or two. And, um, If you're not able to pick it up for free during this one every quarter i can make it free for five days so if you follow me on twitter or if you listen to this podcast you can follow i think if you follow me on amazon it might let you know when the book ebook is free i'm not sure but i definitely share it on twitter so we'll just go with that um yeah i don't know what's going to happen to the podcast after i uh, i don't know i'm uh talked with paper pills on twitter And so we do want to do a group read of uh, uh, the biography of Debs, uh, Eugene Debs, that Young wrote. So that's going to come next year sometime, too. I'm probably going to ask that fall after June. I don't know, maybe in the fall of next year. But yeah, I'm working with her. I'll definitely Never mind. Whenever she picks the date is fine with me so yeah we'll just do the group read then um the intro to it is really interesting describing what a young's daily routine was like reading all three of the new york times newspapers uh every day and that kind of stuff and you can tell just her just the knowledge just the encyclopedic amount of knowledge she has uh, but it was very interesting so it's going to be a good read i'm looking forward to it Um. Okay, so let's get started. Oh, shoot, I've got to look. Let me check real quick. All right, so chapter 45, we might get done with it. I talked a little long at the beginning. We might get done with it, or I might just go ahead and break it up into two parts. But yeah, we're, we're nothing's changed. We've got the character list with Mr. Spitzer and cousin Hannah Fremont Snowden and um, that we're gonna stay with this, these two characters for, for uh, a while. Uh, yeah, we're gonna stay with them for a while and then we'll switch to Mr. Spitzer and still be with him until chapter 62, somewhere around there. Synopsis. Cousin Hannah cries and screams about her lost love. Mr. Spitzer is not sure about what is going on, but he has vowed not to tell her great secret until long after she is gone. Paragraph 1. Mr. Spitzer, who trembled at the thought of any kind of love, whatever upon this barren earth, no matter what love it was, had read her papers and knew that no one could reach Cousin Hannah now and had never reached her. Lamps and doors figure prominently in the book, which seem to draw inspiration from the Bible. Doors are open to knowledge and faith. Lamps are the light of the Spirit, God, or knowledge. Two, Mr. Spitzer read through so many different kinds of letters and all marked with her official stamp, Answered. Mr. Spitzer wondered how she'd answered some of them since those had no name or address. Never had Mr. Spitzer known an individual who did not crumble into waters and clouds if he watched long enough. Okay, since... I change a word here. This was upsetting to Mr. Spitzer because this meant uncertainty, and he was one who had yearned for a final answer and certainty beyond all doubt and no further equivocation, even if it had meant the death of love. Mr. Spitzer was disappointed he would never get an answer since Cousin Hannah had ignored him all these years. Three, Mr. Spitzer would have so many questions after Cousin Hannah died, questions which he was left to answer as best he could, often inadequately. Piecing together lost remarks, gleaming fragments, splinters of undying thoughts, casting an unholy radiance, often finding no answer but another question or question mark. Epithalamium is a song or poem for the bride and bridegroom at their wedding. He would not be able to plead his ignorance and his innocence to plead that he was taken unaware by mysteries, never intended for human eyes or ears. He had seen enough hints, and yet he had been surprised by the almost total confirmation of his suspicions about Cousin Hannah, who knew no love, no answer of the heart, for if one knew all hearts, one should know none. Love's image was that which was never reached by love. Mr. Spitzer thought, should love be reached, then there would follow, no doubt, the revulsion to that which had attracted love, and there would follow the death of love. He often said all had been illusion in this life as in this death. All had been his own sad vision, and all had been his own sad music. Only the dead had heard his silent music of ripple and response. For Mr. Spitzer questioned, who could escape this ambivalence, life and death, lover and loved? Who could escape love? For was it not like fate, that pertaining to human beings, as to all things mortal? Cousin Hannah might have always... Cousin Hannah might have always... Oh, see... this. Sorry, there's going to be some corrections because I just don't have time to go through the chapter again uh, before I do the podcast. That just puts me in front of the computer for hours. And I just don't have time. It's a lot, but so I figured I'll just take it slower, the podcast slower and Sorry, that's just part of the fun. You're going to be here while I make corrections. Um, Cousin Hannah might have always been beyond all the illusions of life, all that to which she had objected. Five, Mr. Spitzer couldn't believe he was with someone who might never find a mate. He thought no one knew better than he, the transience of life, so well as he who had lived to see all things passing, forever passing. And that was why sometimes he wept. Life was but a bright moment, a moment of burning intensity, and that moment had faded. Life had been a long dine ever since, or a brief dine. His brother Perrone had said the universe was something shaken out of a dice box, and that the great player might shake the dice again. Six, Mr. Spitzer would never have guessed coming upon this knowledge of this great suffragette's secret life, when to all intents and purposes it was over. Seven, Mr. Spitzer had no idea how Cousin Hannah became, for reasons never to be understood, this authority upon all the manifestations of love, tragic love, so that he wished he'd been able to talk to her of his own great problems of love, although he thought it strange no one noticed her lack of experience and her great guilt that she had killed her love that so many had written to one who was barren. He knew she had answered these people, but what answer did she give? What was this enigma like a key which would open no door? 8. Cousin Hannah had so many letters that it looked like she ran a bureau for advice to the lovelorn in all countries, for never were there so many beautiful postage stamps, some which... Would have surprised a philatelist even an old stamp collector like mr spitzer a philatelist is a specialist in the study of postage stamps and postal history there were many letters about vanished bridegrooms runaway brides lovers who broke hearts lovers who were not what they seemed cruel husbands and lords that mr spitzer found very curious as to how cousin hannah handled it all since she had sacrificed her life for freedom from the bonds to love eternal love or the love which was but for a shining moment She had surely led a double life, perhaps a triple life, perhaps a life which could not be figured in terms of numbers, it seemed to Mr. Spitzer, even before he knew the cosmic magnitude of her deception, that she was no one in whom one should place his already shattered faith, a faith so weakened by so many blows. He considered her a great betrayer of woman. She had betrayed them all, even as she had betrayed man's feeble spirit. She had led her followers astray, though perhaps not by intention. Even though Mr. Spitzer talks about and hints at Cousin Hannah's great secret, he won't give the full details until a later chapter. Okay, nine. The problem was that since she had outlived the public that had once known of her or followed her, then her great secret wouldn't have much of an impact. Mr. Spitzer himself might not remember. Cousin Hannah had never been the unitary person her followers had naively supposed. When she was alive, she having been more confused, more bewildered, than they who had followed this great bellwether. And that goes along with all of the characters. All of the characters have this um, uh, double life. Um, they are there's, there's a public and a private persona. Um, which is what we talk about with social media. Like you have that public persona and then you have the private persona. Um, All of them, and I still have to think about Catherine as to, because I don't know what her, I mean, she has her characteristics and her quirks, but I can't think of a duplicity with her of what it is, a, a private or, private public public persona because she lives in hallucinations all the time and I found and I found some like I said I found some really good insights doing some research on the book uh over the break so okay just more to think about 10. Mr. Spitzer swears he heard bells when cousin Hannah died along with visions life seemed to return as it was departing for life departed not suddenly all at once While she was dying, she cried, Is that my love whose delicate footsteps I must follow now? 11. Cousin Hannah continues asking after her love. Mountains reproach to me who killed my love, my only love, for did I not let you go? 12. Does the light exist only by reflection, she asked, Where the darkness, world, or memory? Put out the light, she said, so that Mr. Spitzer snuffed out a candle. 13. Cousin Hannah writhed on the bed as if she were struggling to climb a mountain, She asks God to save my body before you save my soul, for my soul is already lost, or is my body lost? Shall body and soul be reft asunder now? Shall that happen which has already happened? Did I not fall, and shall I fall again, or was I always falling? O body and soul, land, to what do I cling over that terrible darkness increasing now? Fourteen cousin Han asks for the ties that bind her here to break and let her go, for I cannot cling much longer to this great ledge. Fifteen cousin Hannah cried and complained of the whistling winds, the blinding lights driving her against her will, and flashing lights of unearthly stars through clouds before the darkness settled like the darkness of the grave before the great ooze, the rainbow colors oozing from the mouth of the dead, colors like the midnight rainbow arcing the dark sky when she was dead. I like that. Uh, The rainbow colors oozing from the mouth of the dead. So there's two other things that I'm working on. I'm I'm not giving up this book. I'm not, (laughs) it's not happening. I'm going to go on and do other things, but I'm not giving up this book because it's just been like, she spent 18 years writing it. She didn't think it would take that long, but she was having so much fun. So uh, yeah, I'm still uh, being entertained by this. Uh, So my daughter is an artist and she's teaching me how to draw. I took some like basic art, very, very basic art classes. And, but she's actually, you know, cracking the whip. So, so I'm having to do something like, I don't want to do this. And you have to do this. This is how you learn. So, okay, fine. So I'm doing that and coming up with some pictures to go along with, um, uh, quotes in the book, which I I just find fast. There's, there's just quotes in here that I find fascinating. I just, just love them. So I've decided to put some artwork to them. And the other one will, I, I'm not good at poetry. My daughter's awesome at prose poetry. I'm not good at poetry. But I'm going to try doing uh, blackout poetry with uh, uh, the pages from Miss Macintosh by Darling. Um, Just because it sounds like something fun to do. Whether it'll work or not, I don't know. Whether I'll stick with it or not, I don't know. But I'm having fun uh, doing this, so I'll keep doing it. Whether anything comes of it, I don't know, but it'll just be just for me. It's good to have inspiration. Uh, Mr. Spitzer wonders how she can die in sixteen. Mr. Spitzer wonders how she can die in the cold when she was this great person who traveled to deserts. Mr. Spitzer said her name was hyphenated like her life and that she had not known herself any more than a butterfly emerging from its cocoon. Mr. Spitzer thought that there should be an end to this crystal gazing since the future was no more than a dead dream, even as the past had been. Yet he still isn't sure if Cousin Hannah had been dead while alive and would now live when she was dead, even so her accounts were closed. There was little more to add. It seemed that her great career was ended in darkness. And I don't know why I left a bunch of these off. Um, Cold features prominently in the book. And it's the cold of everything cold on the earth. Snow, ice, um, uh, the Arctic, everything Arctic, space. It's all this cold, uh, coldness. It's more of a... I have to go back and look at it again, honestly, because it's, sign- I'm sure it symbolizes something the, the, uh, going through life and that, and here it's that, um, again, cousin Hannah is being left out into the cold and, and, but apparently she was full of all this life and warmth from living in deserts and that kind of thing. 17. Cousin Hannah had traveled where few people had gone, and now she was going into the, the universal darkness, where everyone goes. Mr. Spitzer thought it best that her great secret died with her, that love had prompted her because of her immortal guilt, a virgin's blood stain in the snow. 18. Cousin Hannah did not know Mr. Spitzer would be the last person to hear her speak. Mr. Spitzer believed that the dead should rest, and that they should suffer no more, for they had paid their passage through this life, and should come to their safe harbor now, beyond these storms of life, these storms of death. Cousin Hannah continued to cry for a lost love. Acolyte is a person assisting the celebrant in a religious service or procession. 19. Mr. Spitzer wondered what the two women had been doing traveling together. 20. Mr. Spitzer had great sympathy for those who had seemed to live in one way and had lived in another way. Perhaps its opposite. Mr. Spitzer thought that his consciousness sporadic that his consciousness, sporadic as a firefly, his consciousness was, sporadic as a firefly in a cloud. He could not tell anyone about what he heard on cousin Hannah's deathbed. 21, Mr. Spitzer was prepared to discuss everything cousin Hannah said on her deathbed. For well he knew that at the last moment a totally or almost totally alien life might appear, that at the last moment many a being might change his mind as to what his life had been or would become, or might reveal a life which had been hidden underground before and which would arise to the surface, perhaps only for a glittering moment, as this person breathed his last, or which would arise perhaps long after he was dead. Perhaps in the deepest depths there is no individual or image." Thus at the depths of sleep no face is remembered. All things have flowed into all things. A man may die each night, sinking into the drowned depths of sleep. The deepest sleep is dreamless. Perhaps the image exists only as it arises toward the rippling surface, even as the dreams of the dreamer come into being exist only as he arises toward the surface of his awakening. And as a man dies, as he slips from the intangible moorings of this life, he sinks into his dreams before he reaches dreamless sleep. Because of all this, Mr. Spitzer was going to dismiss what he heard, for who should know whether or not after the last pulse beat there is another pulse beat. Mr. Spitzer called this the ne- prerogative of the dead. The dead earned something surely, perhaps only this doubt. So there's a lot going on there with um, with sleep because I did not realize this. Christian, Jews, and uh, Muslims have three different interpretations of what happens to you when you go to sleep. I never thought of this. Um, uh, and when you when you go to sleep and when you die so there was a big thing about what happens to your soul when you go to sleep uh christians believe that your soul doesn't go anywhere it's stuck with you until you die and then there's some debate about whether you you do have a long sleep until the day of judgment or uh, you are in purgatory until the day of judgment but there's some like in between place like you don't go immediately heaven you don't go immediately to hell it's more well, OK, there's that, but then there's also this uh, sleep, t- sleep uh, that you just pause that you go through until the Day of Judgment. And that's when everything happens. Uh, Jewish tradition believes that when you sleep, your body, go- your soul goes to God and is rejuvenated and then returns in the morning. In Islam, they believe when you sleep, your soul goes to Allah, God and is judged. And if you're found worthy, you wake up. And if you don't, you die. So very interesting. Uh, I never knew this was a thing that people thought about. 22. That was why Mr. Spitzer doubted cousin Hannah. Mr. Spitzer had naturally supposed that she spoke of some lost love of her imagination, never of actuality, never of flesh and blood. For time was not time to those who died, and time touched touched not them, and they knew not these seasons of the year. This lost love might have appeared to guide Cousin Hannah through the great loneliness such as might confront every dying man with his fear of the void of creation or his fear that something might be there. Mr. Spitzer thought there was nothing colder than death. 23. Mr. Spitzer thought Cousin Hannah should be remembered for what the public thought she was and not know anything else. 24. It was probably best that she was already forgotten. There should be no public publicity attending the last rites for her secret heart, that she should fade into failed obscurity. Twenty-five, Mr. Spitzer didn't like that man's memory was so short. He struggled to decide what should be on her tomb. What image could restore the memory of this unknown love? Twenty-six, Mr. Spitzer thought life being that which takes longest, dying. Mr. Spitzer thought that over her grave there should be a memory of the fact that she had been a great traveler. Perhaps only a milestone marked, twelve miles. It was odd, but he thought of her whenever he came to a milestone. 27, Mr. Spitzer did not know how she would be remembered because it seemed strange to him that men should exert themselves to climb mountains, perhaps for no purpose whatever, but to reduce by an infinitesimal distance the distance between themselves and the stars, to bring the stars or heavenly bodies nearer to earth. Sometimes they risked their lives for this. Man shepherded the living mountain, examined what it meant to walk around the mountain. To aim for the highest point is not the only way to climb a mountain. She's very famous for that because of the emphasis on on men climbing peaks and, and trying to cross the Arctic which is mentioned in the book as well which supposedly uh, one of my favorite actors is going to do a film about one of the more recent well, I guess 50s maybe uh, uh, Arctic Explorers um, so that'll be interesting I'm looking forward to that but anyway she was she. Uh, this reminded me of uh, uh, Mr. Spitzer's uh, attitude about climbing mountains reminded me of that um shepherd um who talked about walking there's just as much to learn walking around the mountain as as going up 28 mr spitzer thought climbing mountains was a great unholy effort (laughs) i kind of agree with him mr spitzer starts talking about pigeons and how attached he is to them oh goodness okay yeah we're gonna get get a big pigeon thing pigeons have a symbolic meaning for many cultures around the world fortune, luck, kindness, mercy and peace. Mr. Switzer saw them as his soul, the fragments of his spirit for only the psychic life was important to him, especially when the physical life was gone. Billy do I think how you say that is a love letter. Mr. Spitzer thought that he could not be the skeptic of another's life. He was that tollkeeper who asked no questions, letting all things pass. Mr. Spitzer has an affinity for the now extinct passenger pigeon. 29. Mr. Spitzer was frightened by man's loss of memory or the emptiness of that fame for which he himself had lived, writing his silent music passing into silence before it was recognized. Mr. Spitzer created music for Cousin Hannah since she died a hero's death, and should have been and should have had a great fanfare at her funeral. Arlington may refer to Arlington National Cemetery, United States Military Cemetery, in Arlington County, Virginia. Anatolian calendar: There is no reference to a specific calendar related to this ancient state, which is now Turkey. Caissons are chests to hold ammunition. Mr. Spitzer could not be a literalist—one who did whatever he dreamed—one not confused. because he believed he had become his brother. Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is a historic monument dedicated to deceased U.S. service members whose remains have not been identified in Arlington National Cemetery. Mr. Spitzer was the only one to mourn the passing of a dying soul and she was buried in that great gray New England churchyard. He only realized that Cousin Hannah had lived and loved and lost after her passing. 30, Cousin Hannah died, light, revealed not what the darkness hid oh after sorry after cousin Hannah died light revealed not what the darkness hid and winter brought not to life that which the spring had killed Mr. Spitzer did not consider himself a reliable witness because he was dead Mr. Spitzer felt cousin Hannah had sinned against her own own finest sense of honor or against the code of chivalry even so could she not be forgiven now or could she not forgive herself Mr. Spitzer thought man only escaped fate because of a small, tiny, inscrutable, indeterminate, delicate change to alter its course as if it were a thought, thinking after the thinker was no more. 31 Mr. Spitzer believed this was his situation. He questioned the connection between the body and the spirit, and the body and the soul. Death was no more than life had been. He blamed the state of being on why he couldn't concentrate. Thirty, Mr. Spitzer understood that Cousin Hannah had turned to suffrage because of her dead love, so now she could not die in peace. He thought one moment was all, and it was passing. In the book, and here, there is a sentence about the blurred eye which knows not the difference between yesterday yesterday and today. Eyes are symbolic of clairvoyance, omniscience, gateway to the soul, intelligence, light, vigilance, truth, judgment, authority, and would mean the opposite of these characteristics if sight became blurred or clouded. Remember, there's a lot of blind, deaf and mute people in in the book. The universe contained many things destroyed in consciousness before they are realized. There was no power to bring into life that which never was. There was only this dying moment, moment of transition between the now and then, between the here and there. Mr. Spitzer thought Cousin Hannah was lost beyond the imagination of man, surely beyond a woman's limited and temporal imagination—an attribution of importance to petty details. So I'm I I know sometimes I take, especially when I got into Esther's paragraphs, I take some of the things that young saying literally about suffrage and marriage and this one between men and women and things like that and and there's more stuff that comes up later on uh in the book and it's important to realize that i i put information about the situation regarding suffrage and uh women's rights and things like that uh abortion's going to come up too um because in, in all honesty young could have been sarcastic in many ways you do she's she's there's funny, there's funny lines in the book, and it could be that she's making fun of it and being sarcastic. Um, so it's good to have, so you keep that in mind because it's good to, uh, while it's good to have the knowledge uh, behind, you know, the reality behind the situation, it's also important to, to understand that she's being, probably being sarcastic and making fun of it. <laughs> Thirty-one. Mr. Spitzer remembered that he had stopped at an old town pump to get a drink, but it was gone. He was told it had been there for at least twenty years. Earth wandered like the milky pod upon the wind. Nothing was certain. Thirty-two. Mr. Spitzer found Cousin Hannah difficult to understand while she was crying and screaming. Thirty-three. Cousin Hannah talks about her love. Forgive me, love, that I did not follow you. I betrayed my love only by a moment. 34. Cousin Hannah continues talking about her love. Forgive me, love, that I died not before you. Forgive me that I lived when you were dead. The soul shall go with the body. Sepulchre is a small room or monument cut in rock or stone where a dead person is buried. 35. Cousin Hannah asks about her dead love and her skirts. If I could not hold her back when I was strong, how can I hold her back when I am weak? And again, we're not sure who this uh, there's we, we get who Mr. Spitzer thinks this is, and she he thinks it's an imaginary person. So we don't know if there's an actual love or if this is a person who's guiding her between uh, life and death. If this is an actual person uh, who's being referenced as her skirt, or if this is in reference to the life that Cousin Hannah did not live as a as a what was expected of her as a woman. Um, oh, that's something else I'm I've found A absolutely wonderful book that I'm reading called Ninth Street Women, and it's about the abstract, the female abstract painters of the 1930s, 40s, 50s. Uh, I don't know if it goes into the 60s, and it is fascinating. It is so interesting, and I love it because uh, I'm seeing so many connections. Because uh, Young lived 40 years in Greenwich Village, New York. And that's also where the, uh, these painters and everything was going on. And, and it just gives me a really good feel for what New York was like, uh, at that time. Um, and th- th- that's still a time period for, for when Young was there. And, uh, and I'm sure she lived among those. I mean, Greenwich Village is known for being, you know, that's where, that's where avant-garde people are. Um, and it was known for that. And that's where she lived, um. So it's a fascinating read about those women's lives as painters, as people who to—I mean, it was totally unacceptable for you not to be a wife and mother at that time, and that's what they chose. That's what they were. They weren't even, didn't even care about it. Like, no, this is what I'm doing, and it was—it's just so interesting to read about them and uh, and get like a little insight into the culture that Young was living in at that time. So uh, I highly recommend that book. Uh, paragraph thirty-six. Or is my skirt my sail, and do I veer, tack, whirl in the wind, and am I blown from pole to plo- pole to pole? Thirty-seven. Cousin Hannah asked questions, even though she didn't realize Mr. Spitzer was there. Or not all other loves the memory of this, and do I die now, and shall I be as now she is? She asks if she will wander naked through eternity or find her lost skirt. 38, cousin Hannah talks again about her skirt. Shall I find my skirt, my love, my love, my skirt, my love, who died that she might find her skirt? She calls the moon a traitor, and fickle as a woman who did not let her find my girl. And remember, uh, Catherine, Thinks that cousin Hannah was a lesbian and had a female lover, and um, and therefore called her fallen Babylon, um, which is a quote from Revelations about how that was a fallen Babylon was a woman who spread her immor- immorality. Thirty-nine. Cousin Hannah sought for her as I am seeking now, naked. Forty. Mister Spitzer believes that cousin Hannah is talking about how she let go her girl's hand during a snowstorm a long time ago. Mr. Spitzer can't understand why cousin Hannah still grieves since she lost her love so easily. He considers himself an old romantist at heart, one not easily acknowledging the death of love, one who might believe in love when the last romance had faded from the earth. Cousin Hannah, while she was dying, had cried with that self-centeredness and self-forgetfulness which might be understandable in those who are departing from this world, had cried that she had killed her love or else her love had killed her. 41. Mr. Spitzer thought the truth must be told when the truth was losing its meaning or changing its meaning, that Cousin Hannah had not taken that first journey alone as she would have to go alone for her last journey. 42. Mr. Spitzer thought he heard Cousin Hannah crying even after she was dead. Did I let you go, my love? Cousin Hannah asked why men have admired me and women have trembled when she let her love go. 44. Cousin Hannah wonders, shall love be infinitely postponed? If infinitely postponed, then it is love. 45. Mr. Spitzer couldn't be sure, but he thought Cousin Hannah asked God for forgiveness as she was dying. Forgive the lover who knows not when he loves, perhaps only in memory I loved, perhaps only in the future shall I love. She asks for forgiveness through several sentences that mirror what Jesus said, dying on the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. 46. Cousin Hannah continues asking for forgiveness. I I aspired to greater heights than most, so I fell a greater distance. My life was one long act of falling. 47. Cousin Hannah continues asking for forgiveness. Forgive, too, the self-contradiction of life and death, for both were contained within us. 48. Forgive this breaking body. Forgive the secret none can tell. None can tell and live. 49. Mr. Spitzer claims to have whispered his last name while Cousin Hannah was dying, although she did not hear him. He only said this his last name because he truly didn't know if he was himself or his brother. He describes Peron as someone who had loved only the old, and Joachim as one who had loved only those who were forever young and beautiful, those whom age had not marked. He describes his music as made up of almost entirely of lost chords. His music was made up of whatever he heard, and even that music never heard. Cousin Hannah did not hear him because he had not mattered to her while alive, so he would not matter to her now that she was dying. It didn't matter because Mr. Spitzer was concerned by so many interests. 50, cousin Hannah claims the lost love was her first disciple and that she will lose her last disciple just like her first. I could not find my way to follow you, my love. You were following some other love. 51, you were faithless to woman as you would have been to man. No allegiance had ever bound us, but you were the traitor breaking that bond which never was. We were two lone women, there was no man. So it really does sound like she had a female lover. Uh, that she lost and whether it was actual in an actual snowstorm or they broke up uh, that's still open for interpretation 52 cousin hannah claimed the greatest man would not have been able to hold on to her lost love after her death never again did i see the human face never again did i hear the human voice 53 cousin hannah claimed her lost love let go of her hand and not the other way around 54 on her deathbed cousin hannah now thinks she did not abandon her lost love but it was you who abandoned me i now i know now I did not abandon you, and yet I suffered as if I did so. 55. Cousin Hannah describes her lost love as black was my true love's heart, though white was her skin. Cousin Hannah cries that my confusion knows no end. All those precipitations never caused by love, but caused by death, which is the same, my love. Death opens the dead heart. Death caused these secrets and all of these crimes. Sorrow is never to be revealed by dawn, by dawn's light upon the face of love, dead love. Death knows there is no love but the shrouded face. 57 death is love and love is death have I not always said and was not this the meaning of my message few but the dead or dying could understand for few could hear these whispers cousin Hannah 58 cousin Hannah claims to have lost herself when she lost her love and been wandering the earth ever since Bedouins are nomadic Arab tribes Samarkand is currently in Uzbekistan and one of the continuously inhabited cities in Central Asia it is on the Silk Road an ancient trade route from China to the Mediterranean persians are an iranian ethnic group that he who loves shall lose himself in love as in death is similar to the bible verse john 12:25. for dawn is not dawn unless it shines on the face of love and my oh okay it that's i'm not quoting it it's similar to the bible verse john 12:25. 25 uh, for dawn is not dawn unless it shines on the face of love and my love has no face my love is veiled my love is mysterious i have to look this up black was my true love's heart because it sounds like part of that sounds like a poem that I kind of remember. Okay, 59 and oh, we will finish this chapter. All right. Awesome. 59. Cousin Hannah has wandered from the cross to the Crescent and claims many people died looking for her dead girl. 60 cousin hannah says she played hide and seek with the moon in the cloud that night i lost you her love had crossed the mountain cousin hannah had waited her love was looking for her skirt they had climbed the mountain to be above this world and you came not again though i stood still it was always so the moon is considered a feminine symbol of the rhythm of time and a woman's cycle immortality enlightenment eternity the, uh, the dark and the dark side of nature Sixty-one. Mister Spitzer continued to hear Cousin Hannah's ravings even after she died. This was certainly a strange way for her to die. Mister Spitzer knew about stranger things, which he could, n- which he would never tell, except in a secret moment, long years after her death or after his own death, when no living soul remembered her. Mister Spitzer thought perhaps body and soul were one. How fragile at last was human life! It broke like glass. Sixty-two. Mister Spitzer did not know when the sorrow of her life, when the sorrow of her life, be known. Did not know when. Uh, how can I word that? Sir, did not know when the sorrow of her life. Okay, not know. All right, well, I'll just... Sorry, make a correction. Okay, Mr. Spitzer did not know when the sorrow of her life would be known, and it was impossible to distinguish between the truth and the dream, to tell where one ended and the other began, and perhaps they were always in some way conjoined as body with spirit, spirit with spirit. Okay so let me look up that because I might have to add that yeah black is the color of my true love's heart how why is this Oh, sorry, I can't find the page. I had to look this up. Let me see if it's a poem. I want to say... All right, no, that's a recent poem, so that's not it. Black is the color of my true love's heart. I want to say... It's a book. I want to say it's a book. How oh, let me get there. Oh, no. Nope, that's 1988, so that's not. Why is, I think there's a, I read. Oh, uh, it was a Noor book that I read. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay, Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair is a traditional ballad folk song known in the U.S., associated with colonial and later music in the Appalachian Mountains. It is believed to have originated in Scotland as it refers to the River Clyde In the lyrics. American musicologist Alan Lomax supported the thesis of Scottish origins, saying the song was an American remake of British materials. Many different versions of the song exist, some addressed to men and others addressed to women. The song has become part of the traditional repertory of Celtic music artists. The song was collected as black as the color by Sharp and Carpellis in 1916. There we go. All right. So that's a, like a big thing. Huh? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to keep that and I'm going to add that to it, but I swear, what was that? Nor I read this nor, um, could be why I got Alright, I'm gonna look it up. It's this, it's a very famous Noor, um, kind of a femme fatale thing. Oh, angel. It's, it's that, that angel is the black winged angel. I'm sorry, I'm taking such a long time. It's not gonna, okay. I thought it reminded me of this. Black Wings has my angel. That's what it is. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a noir crime novel by Elliot Chase. I'm sorry, it was in 1953. Yeah. Anyways, I read that. I liked it. Okay. That's what that's that's what it was reminding me of, and it has nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> sorry. But I'll, I'll add that to the to the uh, the the bit about the uh, black is the color. Um, and I will add that to the uh, ebook. All right, that ends chapter 45. I will be back. Um, yeah, we'll just keep going. We'll get through volume two. I will definitely finish uh, going through the paragraph by paragraph. Comment- writing uh, commentary by before, way before we get there. But um, yep, rolling right along. Weather's cooled down, and it's that time of year. Alright, thank you so much for listening. Um, Have a great week. Bye.